So as you know, a couple of weeks ago we were making our way through the Gospel of John, um, which may be the most familiar book in the Bible in general. And we hit John 14, 1 through 6. The disciples are about to go into a really hard time. Obviously, Jesus knows this. Jesus is going to be taken away from them. He's soon to be crucified. And He tells them two things. He's going to tell them a lot more when we get back to the Gospel of John, but He told them at least two things. Does anybody remember the two things in John 14, uh, verses 1-6 through that Jesus told His disciples? Believe. I am God. And He said, remember, you'll be with Me forever in heaven. You remember Jesus will say in John 16, in this life you will have trouble. We, we've been talking a lot about this. Um, in this life you will have trouble. The, the, the true believer will have trouble. Jesus doesn't preach a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel nor do any of the apostles. Uh, in this life, you will have trouble. But you know, in the next life, you're going to be with me, right? And so it just seemed good. Last week, we talked about, we just stopped and we talked about heaven. We don't talk enough about heaven. Your view of heaven is supposed to change the way you live. And if you're not thinking about heaven, if you're not looking at it and contemplating and meditating upon heaven uh, from the Word of God, you... you you're, you're handicapped as a Christian. You really, it's very difficult to live the Christian life if you're not understanding what the inheritance is. So, last week we stopped and we just talked about heaven. Well, I was going to go back to the Gospel of John and uh, it seemed to me good to talk about heaven at least one more time. And the aspect I want to speak of tonight is how you're preparing for it. God is very explicit about what He expects from you and me as we look toward heaven. He expects that we would be, and it may be difficult for you to guess where I'm going, we're to be good stewards. We're to be good stewards. This is how God expects us to anticipate what He has for us and how to begin to build our eternity that He's purchased for us. And we're going to see it in the, the parables tonight. The parable of the menas and the parable of the talents. This very explicit exhortation from the Lord Jesus to be building and laying up treasures in heaven. This is what He expects of you and me, right? as we walk the earth. So, I want to begin with a, uh, a familiar... Yeah, I've used this before, and the young adults will particularly be familiar with it. I, I got it out of Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life. I think most of you in, this, in, in the church here today have read this book. And he gives two uh, true stories in this book. Laura and Ruby, who are missionaries in West Africa, who are on their medical rounds... One day the brakes go out in their car, they go over a cliff and die instantly in a crash. John Piper asks, is that a tragedy? Then he tells another story. The Joneses, retired early, Americans who retired early 
in their mid-50s, moved to Florida. They were from the Northeast. They moved to Florida. And they spend their days sailing, playing softball. And there was one other thing. Do you remember? Anybody remember? Collecting seashells. Piper says, is this a tragedy? Well, if you've read the book, you, you know where he's going with this. These two examples, your view on these lives will give you some sense of how you view eternity, how you view your own life here and now. Which one of these lives would be the tragedy, the ultimate tragedy? Piper writes this about Ruby and Laura. He said these two lives were driven by one great passion to be spent in the service of Jesus Christ and for His glory. Their lives and their deaths were not a tragedy, but a glory. He talks about the Joneses who retired to play for 35 years before they meet their God. Maybe not quite that long, 25. Piper writes, they come to the end of their life, their one and only precious God-given life, and they let the last work of their life be playing softball, collecting shells, Picture them before Jesus at the judgment. Look, Lord. You know what she says? <laughs> See my shells! And Piper's driving home the point, if you don't take a heaven view, if you don't take the long view, you will inevitably live like the world. And Piper's saying that is a tragedy. The greatest tragedy of these two stories are these people wasting the last 25 years of their lives on triviality? Listen, I want to make two qualifications about these illustrations. We don't have to be missionaries. That's not the point. The point's not that we have to be missionaries. The point is, whatever my vocation is, I'm making much of Jesus. Amen? That's, that's the point. You know, homemaker, accountant, IT, awesome specialist person, music teacher, designer. It doesn't matter. Whatever you do, you make much of Jesus in it. That's the point. Okay? It's not about being a missionary. It's making much of Jesus in your vocation. Okay? And the second qualification I want to make is it's not bad to retire from your, your secular vocation. This is not the point. The point's not it's bad to retire. That's not the point. The point is what are you going to do with your retirement? How are you going to spend it? Are you going to make much of Jesus or are you going to maximize temporal pleasure you know, what's your priority? What's your priority? So I just want to make those two qualifications. Jesus says, Matthew 6.19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And then He said this in verse 20 of Matthew 6, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Every time the Gospel is properly preached, every time it is properly preached, it's an exhortation to take the long view. Okay, we got a small group tonight. I'm going to hazard a guess. There's at least one or more of you who are not truly taking the long view. You're pretty much monopolized by what 
what's going on right here in front of you. You know, it's the reflection in the mirror. It's what's going on in my house and in my job. I'm not saying those are unimportant. But God says to His people, I want you to take the long view. And I want you to lay up treasure in heaven, which is way better than earthly treasure. Amen? I mean... Uh, Karen and I were talking about the house and she didn't get the bathtub she wanted and it was a small crisis. And, and, uh, but she, she and I were laughing about it. It's all going to burn up anyway, right? It's all going to burn up anyway. When Jesus comes back. Is it Second Peter chapter 3? God means for us not to set our hearts on the things of the world, but on Him and the inheritance that He has purchased for us. Have you guys seen the thing on YouTube? The young woman, I think it's a young woman, she's laying in the grass and she's laying there and she's looking up and then the camera goes out. Have you seen this? And it goes out 11 billion light years. Have you seen this? 11 billion light years? That doesn't seem real to you, does it? 11 billion light years? But it's a scientific fact. I'm trying to give you some scope and scale here. Eternity doesn't seem real either. But God says it is. God says you're going to be with me. He says lay up treasure there. Because you're in the dot. I'm trying to give you some... some one of my best friends, he's a missionary in Berlin. His, his, his email address is in, living in the dot. Okay, he lives in the dot. You understand what he's saying? I'm living in this little bitty point of time. I'm built for eternity, but I'm living in this little bitty point of time. I'm not going to wholly invest here. I'm going to wholly invest there. And that is what Jesus will say to us in the Scriptures tonight. Just so nobody's confused, I'm sure you wouldn't be in here if you were this confused. Maybe you would be, I don't know. There's no such thing as reincarnation, and there's no such thing as annihilation. The Bible is very clear, particularly the Lord Jesus. There's more about hell from the lips of Jesus than from any other source in the Bible. It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Heaven and hell are real. God has opened the pathway to heaven and He calls all who would repent and believe to come and join Him there. Those who dispute the final judgment, the eternality and uh, reality of hell, they're either calling Jesus a liar or ignorant because He is explicit. Every human being will live somewhere forever. God has created us with immortal souls. We will be with Him in heaven or we will be separated from Him in hell. This is the Word of God. So last week we talked a little bit about heaven. This week I want to talk about how we should live in light of what God has told us about heaven. And here's the deal. When, when you stop taking the short view... You know, and you start 
looking at God and the promises of God and, and the power of God and the presence of God in your life, you, you are free to be you know, a radical Christian in the world. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be afraid anymore. There's just a ton of freedom here. It's one reason Jesus is talking about it to His disciples. Man, it's about to get hard for these guys. But He's saying, remember, you're mine. You're going to be with Me. You're only here for a few minutes, so, you know, buck up. Live it huge, right? Live your Christianity huge. If you don't live your Christianity huge, it's on you because God has given you all that you need. You have all that you need to make much of Jesus in your orbit. You have everything that you need. It's an awesome thing. God saves us and then He gifts us and equips us. And you know what He's going to tell us tonight in the Word of God? It's astonishing to me. He does all of this. He saves rebels. And He gives us... All, and then He says, I'm going to reward you. Why, does he, why should He reward me? He's doing it. We know what the Scripture says. Any good thing that, that the Christian would do... <laughs> It's empowered by God. It's all of God. And yet, He rewards us. It's just, it, it's a picture of God's omnipotent, lavish goodness, right? One, He shouldn't save us at all. He does. And then He rewards us for that which we do on the planet. So if you're taking the long view, you'll be expending energy to lay up treasures in heaven. If you haven't thought about laying up treasures in heaven in a really long time, okay, God's talking to all of us tonight. Right? God is calling you, He's calling me to take the long view. To lay up treasures in heaven. I just want to read to you... Uh, and now I'll get into the text. Jonathan Edwards, um, you, you guys, a famous American theologian, 18th century, and he wrote like 70 resolutions to live by. I want to read you number 22. This is, what I, this is what I want to hand off to you tonight, right? Okay, this is what I want to hand off to you tonight. Edwards says, Resolved to endeavor to obtain for myself as much happiness in the other world as I possibly can. With all the power, might, vigor, and vehemence I am capable of or can bring myself to exert in any way that can be thought of. Amen? This is, this is, how, this is the, the mindset of the born-again, true believer. Right? I'm storing up joy for myself in heaven because I believe what God has said to me. I believe what God has said. Edward's worldview was dominated by his heaven view. So I'm just going to... You, you can test yourself. Is your worldview dominated by your heaven view? You know Colossians 3, 1 and 2. If, you, if then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. I'm going to ask you, are you consciously seeking the things above in your vocation, in your relationships, on the internet, are you seeking the things above? 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. So I'm just going to stop and ask you to examine your heart. Is this true of you? What the Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians. Is it true of you? Have you set your heart and mind on the things above? This is what a thinking man would do. If we really understand there is an eternity, and there is, <laughs> the thinking man or woman would say, now wait! You know, I'm just playing Monopoly down here, right? Because what happens when I die? It all goes back in the box. I don't get to keep any of it, right? But God is saying, God incarnate is saying, store up treasure in heaven. He's inviting us to do it. Lay it up, He says. Now, you can invest here if you want. That's your decision. You can be wholly invested in the world. That's your decision. But if I actually believe what the Bible says, that's uh, an imprudent decision. To say, to say the least. So, Jesus says, lay up treasures in heaven. And last week I told you, to be thinking about heaven and concentrating on it, dream about it, fantasize about it, to the degree that it changes every day of your life. So I've, I challenged you last week to de develop a discipline of meditating upon the promise of God for you in eternity. So we're going to look at two, very quickly, we're going to look at two uh, of Jesus' parables, the minas and uh, the talents. So what's a steward? You tell me. Do you know what a steward is? What does stewardship mean? I'll read you the, I'll read you the correct definition. It's a, it's a person who manages another's property, finances, or affairs. So why is the Christian called a steward? Why, really, why is every human being called a steward? Because nothing you have is yours. Nothing you have is yours. It's a stewardship from God. You know, I like to say it this way, down to the next breath. Your next breath is a stewardship before God. The next brainwave is a stewardship before the Lord. God gives us physical, spiritual, uh, life, gifts, talents, money, wealth, mental and physical capacities, etc., 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 that we hold in stewardship. What are you apart from God? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 2. What are you apart from God? Nothing so glamorous as an unevolved monkey. What are you apart from God? Disassembled particles of dust. You're dirt, man. That's all you are apart from what God has done in you. So, you know, a little humility, not a bad thing. A little humility before the Creator, right? A little humility, I think. So let's look at uh, the parable. We'll start in Luke 19. I hope you have your Bible. Uh, we'll begin in Luke 19. And we'll begin there in verse 12. The cool thing about both of these parables, the minas and the talents, which is in Matthew 25, but first we'll look at Luke 19. Everybody's in these parables. It doesn't matter where you are on the, on the spectrum. If you're a Christian, you're in it. 
If you're a pseudo-Christian or a false disciple, or a, a, shall we say a tear, you're in it. If you hate God, you're in it. All of mankind is encompassed in these parables. I'm not going to develop all aspects of the parable. I'm simply going to develop the aspect of our stewardship. Luke 19, Jesus is teaching. Uh, Luke 19, verse 12. Jesus said, therefore, a certain noble man went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with these until I come back. Don't you love it? What does Jesus say? What does he say? What is he saying to you? What are you supposed to do with what God has given you? What are you supposed to do with it? Do business with it. Right? Do business. God's business. Why do you think He made you so beautiful and so strong and so talented and so gifted? Why do you think He made you this way? Do business. So you'll be doing business. God's business. Right? Gives me goosebumps. Do God's business. Verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over. So here we see the world. The world hates God. The true God. Right? They hate him. Verse 15, And it came about that when he returned after receiving his kingdom, he ordered that the slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him in order that they might know what business they had done. Verse 16, And the first appeared saying, Master, Look at the humility here. Your mina has made ten minas more. I love this. I love the humility here. He says, Master, it's your mina. It all belongs to you anyway. He's acknowledging the truth we just spoke about. It's all yours anyway, but look what your mina did. Look what the power of God did. You know, any good thing you do, any fruit that comes out of your life, it's, through, it's by the power of God, right? This steward is acknowledging that. I think it's beautiful. It's made ten more, verse 17. Well done, good slave, because you have been faithful in a very little thing, be in authority over ten cities. The second came, saying, Your menah master has made five menahs more. And he said to him also, You uh, are to be over five cities. So, do you get the picture? There will be an accounting. You will give an account to God of what He has given to you in stewardship. It will happen. If you're a Bible believer, right? And I think we all are in here. It will happen. It will happen. So this is a great lesson for us. The accounting is coming. This is not about salvation. For, for the believer, this is about reward. Okay? So, we'll, we'll make that distinction a little more clear in a few moments. I do want to make the point, okay, he made 10 minas, which I think is about 30 months' wages, and what's his reward? Ten cities. My point is this, okay, it was the power of God that enabled the 10 minas to, to, to multiply. But all out of proportion to what this man did, his reward is completely out of proportion. Rule over ten cities forever. Okay? 
Heard a theologian say that he believes this is millennial and even post-millennial. I want you to see that the, 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 the lavish grace and goodness of God is He, you know, 30, 30 months wages. What's that to God? That's nothing to God. It's nothing to God. But God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Rule over ten cities. My point is, whatever you... Remember Jesus, where Jesus says, hey, the guy who gives even a drink of water will not lose his reward. My point is this. What you do in the kingdom, how you use your, your, your abilities and gifts and talents uh, to make much of Jesus in the world, you will be rewarded all out of proportion to your efforts and your fruit. This is way better than being on the ground floor of Google or YouTube or Apple. Do you understand the point? You say, Jim, I, I wasn't in that I wasn't in the meeting about Google and I, I didn't get to buy that first that first issue of stock. What God is offering you is way better. These are eternal riches that will not fade away, as he says in Luke chapter twelve. So he's a lavish, he's a lavish giver. This is who God is. Same thing happens with the second service, uh, second servant. He he made five and he got five cities right to to rule over. So, do you see? I want you I want you to get this point. This is biblical. I want you to get this. We're saved through grace alone, by Christ alone. Okay, it doesn't have anything to do with what we do works or deeds. But reward has everything to do with works or deeds. Okay? And so, the point is this. Will you rule ten cities or five cities? Well, um, yeah. The thing is, it will depend on your stewardship. And I like, I like what I read uh, from several theologians, and I believe this is, to be, this is true, that the mina is your life. It's representative of your life. You get one. What are you going to do with the one? You only get one. You don't get two. You get one. What are you doing with it? Are you going to rule ten cities? It's up to you. <laughs> you, know, you decide. You decide. Listen, if this doesn't sort of thrill and excite you, I, I, you're not understanding me. I'm not speaking clearly or you simply don't believe it. I, I don't know which one it is. But this is huge. Our faithfulness and our stewardship will have a direct relationship to the parameters, scope, dimensions, position, responsibility, authority, etc., etc., that we will hold in the new heaven and new earth. I've talked to some Christians who, you know, they're a little too superior and spiritual to think about reward. You know what I'm talking about? They, 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 it's like, I'm too spiritual to think about that. Well, this is piety run amok. <laughs> Listen, the New Testament is very clear. The Bible continues to speak about reward in numerous places through numerous books. God means for you to understand He's your principal reward. 
We get that. We understand that. He's, he's, you know, it's like I told you last week. There will be derivative joys in heaven, not out of necessity. Jesus is enough to fill our souls for a billion eternities. We get that. But because He will be manifested in derivative joys or subordinate joys, His glory is manifested... Okay, I was eating a pineapple a couple of months ago. Karen bought this pineapple, okay? It's like, you ever looked at, I mean, a pineapple, it looks like a little piece of art, right? You know what I'm saying? And she cuts it open, and I put it on my tongue, and it's like a circus, man. You know? It's like a, God is glorified on my taste buds, you know? So I magnify, I promise you, this, I don't know if this happens to you, I'm worshiping, I'm eating a pineapple or a banana or a watermelon, if you get a good one, man, you know? Not to mention profiteroles, but, but um, I really praise God for the profiteroles. But, uh, okay, the taste bud is a vehicle for worshiping God. You think you just have taste buds? Oh, I just, I just have them because, you know, I'm supposed to have them. God gave them to you, beloved. Every physical pleasure in the new heaven and new earth will be a conduit or vehicle of worshiping Christ. I think that's a powerful thought. I think that is a powerful thought. So, let's look quickly here at this last steward. He came and he said, verse 20, he came and he said, uh, Master, behold your minna, which I kept, and I put it in a handkerchief. And I was afraid of you because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and you reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, By your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. Obviously, this is an unbeliever. Obviously, this is a professing uh, pseudo-Christian. This is someone who claims to have allegiance to the king but does not. Okay? This is clearly what's being said here. He made a profession of being a steward. But look what he does when he gets caught not investing in the kingdom, not being a good steward. He blames who? He blames God. <laughs> he indicts God. It's your fault. Because I, I know you to be austere and severe. He goes on. Verse 23. Why didn't you put the money in the bank and, and I would have collected my interest? And he said to the bystanders, take the mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten. And they said to him, Master, he has ten already. Verse 26. I tell you that everyone who has shall more be given, but from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away from him. Do you understand? This is, this is the dividing line right here. This is the eternal line in the sand. This is heaven and hell. Okay? Whatever the lost man or woman thinks he has, it will be taken from them. They will lose everything forever. Everything forever. Okay? Verse 27, but these enemies of mine, okay, this references back to verse 14, these enemies of mine, the ones that hate me, Okay, we've seen the believer, we've seen the false believer, and now we see the antagonist, right? Verse 27, but, those, but these enemies of mine who did not want, to reign, want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Okay, so we're talking about heaven and hell. And for those of you who know Christ, 
We're talking about, we're talking about your reward in eternity. Um, this is an important thing to understand. So let's turn over to Matthew real quick. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, we'll begin there. Verse 14. Jesus again is talking. The man's about to go on a journey. He calls his slaves. He entrusts them with his possessions. This is what God's done with you. Okay? This is you. <laughs> and uh, to one he gave five talents. Another he gave two. Another he gave one. Each according to his own ability. And he went on a journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and he made five more. Uh, in the same manner, the one who had received the two talents and gained two more. But the one who received one went away and dug in the ground and he hid his master's money. I want to make a couple of comments here. Um, do you notice God gave according to ability? We're not all the same. Okay, my favorite preacher, can you guess? Anyone, can anyone guess who my favorite preacher is? John Piper? Okay, John Piper's like a five-talent guy, right? You know what I'm saying? He's a five-talent guy. Maybe I'm a one-talent guy. God's not looking for a John Piper return from me. He's looking for a Jim Albright return. You know, what God expects from me is a Jim Albright return on his investment, right? On his endowments. That's what He's looking for from me. I don't compare myself with you or Piper or anyone else in the world. I'm talking with God about this and God is saying, Jim, I have gifted you in these areas and I expect a return. So listen, you know, you don't have to worry. You, can't, you don't need to say, well, I, I can't be John Piper. God doesn't want you to be John Piper. If He wanted you to be John Piper, He would have made you John Piper. He wants you to be who you are in Christ and He wants you to make much of Jesus in that. In that. So we have this false servant who buried, <clears throat> he buried the talent. So the Master returns to come and settle accounts. I'm in verse 19. And the one who had five came up and brought five more and the Master... Uh, the Master, you had entrusted me with five, I have gained five. Verse 21, His Master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things and enter into the joy of your kingdom. Again, it's the same kind of situation, right? You, you, you're making some temporal efforts on the earth and God is going to reward you eternally for it. It's all out of proportion. To really the, the effort we put in. Verse 21. His master said to him, Well done. Yeah, I've already read that. Verse 22. The one also who had received the two came and said, Master, your talents have uh, gained two more. 23. Verse 23. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Do you get the picture here? This will happen. You will stand before Jesus Christ. I'm going to take you to the text in a few minutes. It's in, it's in Corinthians. You will stand and give an account of all that you have done in the body. This is not about sin. This is not for the Christian. This is not about sin. This is about reward. Okay? It's about reward. 
we will give an account of how we have used what God has given to us. We will give an accounting of it. So, the guy buries, he buries the talent. Again, he has no concern for God. He has no concern for his stewardship. He simply ignores what God has called him to do. It sounds like, okay, I've been doing this a long time. Sounds like a lot of churchgoers I know. They know what God has said to them. They know it. They know it. They've been in church their whole life. They know it. They simply take no thought about it once they leave. They give no thought. It's not, it's, it's not in their minds. It's not in their hearts. It doesn't really change the way they live. That's what we're talking about with this individual. So... Verse 24, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. Verse 25, and I was afraid and I went away and I hid your talent in the ground. Verse 26, you wicked, lazy slave, you knew I reaped where I did not sow and and gathered where I uh, scattered no seed. Verse 27, you should have put my money in the bank. I would have at least got the interest. Verse 28, take him away. Take the talent away and give it to the guy with ten. It's the same thing that happened in the other parable. For to everyone who has shall more be given, and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, if you have no labors, if you have no spiritual fruit, you understand? You had no love for God. You had no true repentance. You had no concern for the fact that God has given you everything you have, including your next breath. You have absolutely no concern about this. I mean, you have declared, right, your allegiance to yourself and not to God. He says, take it away from me. Look what he says in verse 30. And cast this worthless slave. We understand this is obviously not a believer. Cast this worthless slave into outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I want to make this clear. If you're a Christian tonight, it's because you're saved by faith through grace in Christ. It's not about deeds. It's not about deeds. But what does James say in James chapter 2? Faith without works is what? So what is he saying? He's saying, if your faith is real, it will work. It's not that, it's not that you're saved by your works. It's that it, 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 it affirms the reality of your works. But God is very clear as He talks to His children. I'm going to reward you, man. <laughs> I'm going to reward you huge. And so you just have to decide. I want to play with the world or I want what God has for me. It's your decision. I'm going to play with the world and what the world offers me, or I'm going to get really serious about being God's steward. Listen, I, I, listen. when you see me up on the other side, when you see me on the other side, right? And you, you were in this sermon tonight and you heard this and you changed the way you lived because you want to be a good steward and you want to honor God and bring glory to God and, and receive more of God. Oh, there's so much theology I could, could say, but I don't have time. You will not be sorry. 
<laughs> you say, Jim, that would, be, that would be one of the most important evenings of my life. God challenged me from His Word to be His steward. Beloved, God is serious about this for you and for me. He's serious about this. So do you see why the Joneses' retirement was a tragedy? Do you see wasting the last 25 years of your life playing games and just simply maximizing pleasure? Do you see how this is really a stench in the nostrils of God? Oh, there's so many things to say. I just don't have time. The Joneses were doing what this guy, what the last guy did with the talent and the minna. They just wrapped it up in a handkerchief and put it to the side and they went and lived their life. This is not what true believers do. This is not what true believers do. John the Baptist said it perfectly. A man can receive nothing unless it's given to him from heaven. Nothing is yours, beloved. It is all His. You are breathing His air. You are eating His food. You can ignore Him if you wish. But He owns you and all He has blessed you with. And one day, you will give an accounting to your Creator. Do you see why Ruby and Laura's deaths were not a tragedy? Do you see why they were an investment in, in the, the, uh, where they were laying up treasures in heaven? Do you see it? Do you see why we began with that illustration? And can you imagine? Okay, here's what I want you to think about. Okay, I don't want this just to go in one ear and out the other ear. I want you to think about this. Can you imagine the homecoming for Ruby and Laura? Yeah, they died in a, in a car crash. But what does Paul say? To live as Christ? Do you believe it? I believe it! Can you imagine Ruby and Laura opening their eyes on the other side and seeing the incandescent smile of the Son of God saying, Well done! Good and faithful servants! Welcome into the, 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 the joy of your Master! Can you imagine it? Can you imagine it? It will happen to you if you're His. And you're a good steward. It will happen to you. You will step through the portal, through the dimension, and you will see the, you know, the effervescent, incandescent smile of God welcoming you into heaven. Listen, beloved, I want this for you. I want it for me. I want this for you. I, I, I wish I could hand this off to you. I, you know, the Lord really convicted me this week about this in my own life. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Let me close. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Some of you know the text. Uh, I'll just turn there. So, uh, I think it begins, I'm not sure, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I think it's verse 6 maybe. Verse 10. I'm going to begin in verse 10. I'm not going to read it all. Let me just summarize. Let each man be careful how he builds upon the foundation of Jesus. You're a Christian. He's talking to Christians here. You're, you're in Christ. Be careful how you build on the foundation of Christ. Now, if any man builds upon the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident from the last day. For the last day. And will show the quality of each man's work. If any man's work 
which he has built upon Jesus remains, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as through fire. God incarnate says, and I I leave this with you, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven. God has called you to be a good steward. It's up to you. You know, it's just up to you. You you decide. It's like almost everything else in Christianity. You decide. You decide if you want to rule over ten cities or not. (laughs) For a billion eternities. You decide. It's up to you. I think this is huge. So I exhort you again to meditate on heaven. Get Randy Alcorn's book and read it. It's only like 200, 300 pages. But, you know, you can read, read a chapter a day or, or a week. But he'll expand your mind on heaven from a biblical perspective. This is important. This is important. I challenge and exhort you. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You for this text. Thank You for this Word. What a great reminder. It's so easy for us to become distracted with the temporal You have called us to focus on the eternal. Thank You, Father, that You've reminded us that all that we have is Yours. It's all Yours. And You expect us to employ these gifts for the glory of Your Son. So Lord, I pray that we would hear You. I pray that we would take this text seriously. I pray that we wouldn't be so spiritual that we're not interested in reward, which is really a backhanded accusation against Your Word. Obviously, we're not mercenaries. But we understand Your rewards are simply an extension of who You are. So Lord, help us, we pray. Help us. Help us be Your people. Help us be Your witness for these few moments we have left on this planet as compared to a billion eternities. Help us, we pray, O Lord. We thank You. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.